Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden and I take you on my journey with me. Now coming up today, I am going to be sharing with you how I grow pumpkins and I've also got a few ideas for some edible hanging baskets that we could grow. And finally, if you listen right to the end, I've got a new competition that I've launched, all to do with beating this cost for living crisis. So lots to get through. Let's find out what I've been up to with the diary. Today is Saturday the 14th of May 2022. I'm down on the allotment and you can probably hear behind me there's somebody else on on another allotment plot streaming away. It's one of those days, I think, Grass has grown a lot in the last week and streaming and cutting the grass, as happens in May, is quite a priority. In fact, that's what I first started off doing today when I came down. I bought a strimmer and a mower and I went around just cutting down the grass areas, using that grass clippings as a mulch on many of my plants so nothing gets wasted. And I'm always, I'm always amazed, and I've probably said this so many times, I'm always amazed just how much better the plot looks like after it has had a bit of a cut. Now, just out the side the front of my allotment plot, where there are road it passes by, or I say road, it's a dirt track really, where I tend to park the van as well, I've noticed a council came along and put a number on my plot, 128B. I've noticed they've been doing it a lot more lately. They're trying to, I guess, keep an idea of what plots are what, because it must be very, very difficult to keep a, a track of what allotment plots are, what number and who they belong to. There's over 200 plots on my site, and some of those are split in half. So, you know, that's a lot of allotment plots, a lot of allotment holders to keep a track of. So numbering them just makes sense. We were told a few years ago we had to add our own numbers, which I did back then. But I think they've realised it wasn't quite as easy as that for many people. Anyway, after the grass areas have been trimmed, I've went around just adding a bit of water to a lot of the beds. I have been down during the week, keeping on top of the weeding and the watering. And this this is a constant task I've got to say at this time of year we haven't had rain for weeks we had a slight shower the other day but not enough not enough to really penetrate the ground and this is something that we've got to look at when it does rain we often think oh it's rained we don't have to water but what we've actually got to do is dig away at the soil and just see how deep the water has penetrated because it's certainly very possible that you just scrape away the very, very top layer, just a few mil, and it's bone dry. And that just indicates that the top layer has soaked up the water, but it hasn't gone down. And plants' roots are further down. That's where the rainwater needs to be. So by giving a really, really, really good drenching, the water just can penetrate a little bit further down. And that is what I focused on today with the watering. Now, I've noticed, actually, all my potatoes are growing particularly well this year. I'm surprised because they can be quite thirsty. We've got to start mulching and covering them over very, very soon, which is going to be a task that I've got to bring in some compost or grass clippings as well. 
Now we do this with potatoes because one, it gives us more potatoes, more crops, but two, it also stops any of the potatoes growing under the soil being exposed to the sun and turning green. So that's a very, very important task that we have to do. I've covered over some areas with some more cardboard. I did this last year underneath some trees and I found that that really worked well at suppressing the weeds under there. Of course I use grass clippings as well, but I've just found that cardboard is really working well as a mulch layer. And under trees and bushes, it works incredibly, incredibly well. And that is something that I'm keeping up with and continuing to do. Now in the strawberry and raspberry beds, I have had a bit of weeds growing and they've got a bit big. Uh, certainly I find that although the beds in this allotment site are pretty clear, the edges are where I've got to concentrate a lot on. So I went into the strawberry and raspberry bed, pulled up as many weeds as I could get and that exposed a lot of the ground and get that looking all nice and as it should. But what I've done with these weeds is I've taken them over to what is going to be the pumpkin bed and I've just thrown those in there and I've planted into that some pumpkins. Now this brings me nicely on to one of the subjects that I want to cover and that is how I grow pumpkins. So pumpkins and squashes are an absolute must in most vegetable gardens. They are in the ground for quite a while but the advantage being that they also store, if they're stored correctly, for a very long time and can be used well into the winter, which for me makes them well worth growing. Now today I am planting out my pumpkins. This is a, a variety called Rogue Fifth Den Tempus. I never know if I pronounce that correctly, so excuse me. I sowed these a few weeks ago, just in root trainers in the greenhouse. Just filled the root trainers up with multi-purpose compost, slid the seed in on its side, made sure it was well covered, gave it a good watering and left it in the greenhouse to germinate. As they've germinated, and they too tend to germinate quite quickly and grow quite quickly, I have potted them up once just to make sure they have had enough room. Now, if you haven't sown your seed just yet, don't worry, there is still time to do that. Only just though. Or you can run down to a garden centre and they may well be selling some pumpkins. I popped into a garden centre the other day and I did notice that some of their vegetable plants are being sold off cheaply. So if you are looking to save a few quid, it might be worth just popping down to a garden centre and have a look. Now, although I'm mentioning pumpkins mostly, the same rules pretty much applies for any type of winter squash, be it butternut squash or anything like that. Now, where I'm planting my squash plants this year, usually I plant particularly my pumpkins in my compost heap, which I have found to be an excellent way to produce compost and also produce pumpkins using the same space. But this year I'm doing just something slightly different. What I've been doing over the last few weeks, all the weeds and all the waste material I have been throwing into an empty bed I have alongside my greenhouse. This is a long, thin bed. I actually have a couple of these that I'm going to be using. I've been filling those up with my waste material. Effectively, I'm going to be composting in situ. And now what I'm going to do is take my pumpkin plant 
or any other squash plant that I may have and just plant that straight into the waste material, straight into the compost. Now I probably will still do this in the compost heap as well because it uses space, it maximises output. So exactly the same as I would normally do, just take it straight into that compost material, plant it straight in, no need for any extra compost or anything like that. Um, what I also do is place an empty pot to the side and also sink that in. And then when it comes to watering, I water straight into that pot. Now, obviously this new plant, it needs a strong watering in, which is what I'm gonna do once I've finished in just a moment. I just take that water straight into that pot and it delivers it straight to the roots of the plant. Pumpkin is a particularly hungry and thirsty plant, so it needs to get the water right at the roots. But also, there is a risk, especially when the plants are young, that if water lands on the stem of a plant, it can lead the stem to rot away. This is something I've suffered with quite a bit in the past and it's something I'm trying to avoid. Once planted, it's just a case of making sure they are well watered and fed every couple of weeks with a tomato feed once they start flowering. I find tomato feed to be good enough for this. You may, of course, use any other feed, but watering is particularly essential. Now, I don't grow pumpkins for competitions to grow the biggest pumpkin ever. I like to grow my pumpkins for food, so I like them to be the edible varieties. If we were growing them for competition, we would be watering gallons and gallons every day. But it, that just goes to show how thirsty some of these plants can be. They do need a lot of watering, so make sure they don't dry out. Now, uh, as the plants grow, they will trail across and eventually they'll bottom flowers and eventually these flowers will lead to fruit. So what I then do, once the fruit starts forming, I want to get that fruit off the ground. Place a bit of tile underneath, that does work quite nicely. In the past, I've actually had them hanging over a fence to get them off the ground and that has also worked really, really well, providing they don't get too heavy. But a piece of tile or a bit of brick or something, just to get it off the ground, is really all it needs. That way it doesn't rot the fruit. Now you want to limit the amount of pumpkins to a plant to about two per plant in order to produce the best that you can get. Again, it's not essential. I have left more, but they are dramatically smaller. So leaving it to two gives you a decent size pumpkin. And then in order to make sure that you harvest them at the right time, what I like to do is wait until the stem that connects from the pumpkin, the fruit itself, to the plant, that turns brown. And then I cut it off. And I like to leave as much of a stem as I possibly can when I cut it off, just so it is easier to store. Now, once that's done... It is ready. It needs to be hardened. I place it in the greenhouse for a couple of weeks and then I'll store it somewhere cool, dry and dark. My garage is particularly good for this. And I can store in there for a very long time. Six months is certainly possible. Now when it comes to using the pumpkins, I know we don't really tend to think about how we eat pumpkins so much in this country. But pumpkin soup is a good one. Pumpkin risotto. Pumpkin pie is also a nice one. Now, something like butternut squash we tend to eat more of. We're, we're better at knowing what we can do with butternut squash. Pretty much the same thing as we can do with pumpkins there. Well, that has got my pumpkins now planted out. I'm going to give them the water in and then head on home. So let's get back to the gardening. 
It is Sunday the 15th of May 2022 today. You join me inside the podding shed and I'm in the podding shed because it is raining outside. Rain is actually very very welcome. We haven't had rain for a number of weeks here so to see it come down like it is now is really really needed. All we've got to do now is hope it penetrates the ground and really goes to store up. But it's also filling up my water butts, which is very important. But unfortunately, this means it's not so easy to get outside. So I have come into my podding shed where I'm just potting up a few more of my plants. Now, at the moment, a lot of our plants are growing well. We've got some courgettes and we've got some tomatoes and we've got some cucumbers, which are almost ready to go outside. And I would have planted them outside today if it wasn't for the rain. But the pot that they're in is just getting a little bit too small for them. So I want to get those into some bigger pots. And that's what I've been doing. That'll just give them a bit more room until I can get them outside, which will be very, very soon. Now I've also gone on and sown a few more seeds. I've been sowing some French or climbing beans because I like climbing beans. Some bolotti beans because I want to grow some bolotti beans and try and be successful with them. And I've also been sowing some runner beans. Now these are, again, they've gone into root trainers. Like I said quite often now, I'm using the root trainers as a much, uh, much better way for growing things like beans and squashes. Just one single seed per station into a full of multi-purpose. We'll let them grow in the greenhouse to start off and then we'll get them outside. We could actually sow these outside, to be honest, but I'm still a little bit hesitant about doing that. Uh, during the week, I have brought a tomato plant. Now, this is a bit of a, an experiment, something I've never grown before. The idea behind this plant is that it's a potato on the bottom, so it grow potatoes underneath the soil, but it's a tomato plant on the top. These I've seen for quite a while. I've never really bothered with these before, but in the balcony garden, I see them being an ideal thing. They are quite expensive. This one cost me £13, so I think that is quite expensive. But if we can get enough potatoes and tomatoes out of the one plant and it's using the same amount of space, then I think we could be onto a good thing. I bought this during the week. I've put this into a bit of a bigger pot today. Fingers crossed it's going to work out quite nicely. I'm pretty sure it will. So I'm really excited to try this. Tomatoes and potatoes being from the same family, it makes sense that they've been grafted together in this case in order to produce the, the, the food that we want. But I'm really excited to try this and just see just how successful these really are. We could do the same with aubergines and potatoes as well. Just want to see how well it works. And in the, as I say, in a balcony garden, it's going to be an ideal thing. Now, talking of the balcony garden I am creating some hanging baskets for that area. And these are edible hanging baskets. And, and that is something I'm going to talk about right now. Edible hanging baskets. Now, I've got to admit, I've not bothered with hanging baskets so much in the past. But now... I'm starting to really like them. I know hanging baskets are usually associated with flower gardening, but I think there's quite a few ideas that we could use for edible hanging baskets as well. 
The advantage, of course, with hanging baskets is that they are out the way. They use up less floor space. So in areas such as the patio garden or the balcony garden particularly, they're going to be up and out the way, but still producing food. The downside, of course, they do need quite a bit of watering because they will dry out quicker. Now, of course, we could use systems to water the plants for us should we need to. Or we just make sure that we regularly go along and water our hanging baskets. What I recommend when you do water your hanging baskets, place a bucket underneath the basket when you water them just to catch any water that runs through so you don't waste it and save a little bit more of money. The other thing that I also recommend when you are preparing your hanging baskets. Now, what I do, I take the basket, I pot it in a liner, and you could also add a bit of plastic to hold on to the water as well, uh, just to make it a bit more retentive. But I like to add biochar to the compost, and the biochar also acts as like a sponge, holding on to water and nutrients. It's a, a great way, I find, of not using water-retaining gels like many people will buy from a garden centre. I, I mean, that is an option, of course. I don't like to use them because I kind of feel they're not a natural product. Biochar is a natural product and it'll go in the compost bin afterwards without any problems. Other people also use nappy liners to act as like a sponge, a bit like a towel in there. That's another option. It works very nicely as well. I've not tried it myself, but a lot of people have reported that it's a good thing to use. So with the hanging baskets all prepared, we need plants to go in there. And what I'm doing today, I'm planting into some of my hanging baskets a collection of plants or seeds. First of all, we've got tomatoes. Now this is a tumbling tomato, a tumbling tom. And these will grow quite nicely in this hanging basket. They'll hang over the edge and produce some beautiful tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, which are absolutely sweet. And there'll be plenty of them. As long as we remember to water them regularly, of course. The, the other advantage with tomatoes, and if you get blight a lot, growing in hanging baskets, it's reported that you don't get blight. So that might be a great option if you do suffer from blight quite often. Another plant, and I've done this many, many times in the past, actually thinking about it, is strawberry plants in hanging baskets. Again, they produce beautiful strawberries in a hanging basket. And what I also find, I have some in the greenhouse over winter for earlier strawberries, but then we can take them outside and they'll get a fresh lease of life. So they are great for that. And again, space saving idea. Now, the next collection is one that I'm doing from seed, and that is cut and come again salad leaves i'm a big 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 lover of using cut and come again salad leaves as a way of producing food so no doubt you know i use them a lot we eat a lot of salads which is just healthier for us as well so i do find that cut and come again salad leaves we'll just sew those into the top water them in and um let them grow now, when they are uh, exhausted and they start to go to flower, we would have to remove them and just scrape off the top inch of the compost before adding fresh compost and starting all over again. It does work and it will be fine doing that. But again, this is a great way to get more meals out of your area. Another collection of plants that I'm trying this year in our hanging baskets, chilli and sweet pepper plants. I think 
that they will actually grow incredibly well in hanging baskets. Now, traditionally, chili plants particularly, they do like, although they like moisture, and they need water to survive, but they do like the soil to dry out in between. And I think by hanging, growing them in hanging baskets where they have a tendency to grow out quicker, they should do incredibly well. This is going to be a great experiment for me this year, but I've been reading up that a lot of people have been doing it and it has been incredibly successful. Now, my final basket that I'm trying this year is peas. Now a friend of mine, Ian, he has been growing peas in hanging baskets last year and he reported that it actually worked quite well. So I thought I'd give it a try this year as well. Again I see the plants hanging over the edge to be in an advantage and it should also help us produce a lot of peas from that small area. It's going to be a lot of fun to just to see how well it works and whether it does work. I have contemplated trying carrots in some of these I don't know if they're going to work but that might be something we try out later on in the year but for now if you've got any other ideas of some edible hanging basket plants that I can try this year then please do let us know so we can share it out and about right with that let's get back to the gardening <coughs> It is Monday the 16th of May 2022 today and you join me in my kitchen. Now I I haven't spent much time on the podcast talking about the food that I cook which is something I really should think about changing a bit more. But the reason I bring this up tonight is I I tend to avoid politics on this podcast but we are concentrating on the cost of living crisis and last week, a politician came out with something here that, shall we say, has got me thinking. He claimed that it's possible for people to feed themselves on 30p a mil. Now, I'm not coming down on either side of that argument. But what I am wondering is, is it actually possible, especially if we use Grow Your Own? So what I'm doing today is just experimenting and creating a few meals that can see me through these next few days and see if they're any good. The first one I've got is what I'm making for my lunch tomorrow. It is an egg salad. So quite simply, I've gone to our cut and come again salad and I've used some of that. Now our cut and come again salad, I buy a packet a month, which costs a pound. And that will last us a whole month between two of us eating salads most days. So I reckon that's about 2p a serving. I've also got an egg from my chickens, which I've hard boiled, cut up and added to the salad. Now, I worked out that my eggs cost me about 10p an egg, but you can buy eggs about 18p from a supermarket from what I've been looking at. So that doing those sums like that it's about 20p so far in this one meal then i've added a bit of vinegar and a bit of pepper as well so probably about 25p a meal by growing my own does that mean it's possible to do it by buying it i don't know this is what i'm asking you guys now the second meal that i'm cooking today is leek and potato soup nice and easy one so I've grabbed some of my leeks and onions from the allotment, 
throw those into a pan, sweat the onion down, in with some of my homemade stock and a couple of potatoes. Potatoes were pretty cheap. They're probably about, I don't know, 40 p's worth of potato in this, but this is going to be, make about five uh, meals. The leeks, I don't know how much they've cost me because they were planted last year. They're quite old leeks. The onions are probably about 2p or something like that. Stock, I've got my own way of making vegetable stock, actually. I tend to use some of our leftover vegetables. So I used um, potato skins, carrot tops. Uh, just throw that into a slow cooker with some water, boil it up and gently simmer it for pretty much a day. And then I've got drain it off and I've got my stock. So it's homemade and I use it out of pretty much out of waste material so it costs me effectively nothing except for the water. So this is a nice couple of cheap meals that have cost under 30p by growing my own food and this has got me really really fired up. We're actually going to be discussing this on our live show this Sunday. I do a live show on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, which is a bit of a conversation and a few people are going to be sharing, hopefully going to be sharing their ideas for 30p meals as well. But I want to take this a step further. I'm going to be trying this in experiment with different meals over the next few weeks to see if I can get them to cost under 30p by growing my own food. But I want your help with it. If you can share any recipes that you have that are low cost, that we can share with other people as well, who are going to be struggling, especially struggling to feed themselves, I would love to know about it and share it. And in fact, what I will do, I'm going to run this as a bit of a competition. It's the 16th of May today, so it starts today, and I'm going to run it till the 16th of June. And any recipes submitted in that time, the best recipe that is shared with me, I will send out a Veg Grower podcast mug and possibly some other merchandise. I really do feel this is something that we can all club together and, and make a difference to. These meals, I'm going to see how, just how delicious they are over this week. But that brings this week's podcast up to an end for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Please do share with me any recipes that you have. As I said, you can email me richard at the uk. You can also head to the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk, leave a comment or leave a voicemail. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast then please re leave us a review on your podcast service or maybe you'll consider becoming a member of our supporters club the supporters club i charge just five pound a month and for that each month you get a collection of seeds sent straight to your door as well as extra behind the scenes podcast and this just helps me keep the podcast running and make it better and better Finally, if you want to get in touch through social media, then please do search for me on social media. I'd love to hear from you on there. Until next time, please take care. <laughs>